Today we're recording a special episode. I guess you can call it special. Well, it's just you and I. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? It is weird, but I think we're the only ones out of the out of this podcast group that play Diablo. Yeah, I don't think anybody else really picked it up. They've talked about wanting to play it, but nobody's actually played it. They're all busy doing other stuff, I guess. So. Well, Rob tried it. He, he played a lot of D2 with me. I don't know how far he got, but he played D3, lost a character on the end of Act 1, put up his hands and went, I'm done, I'm out. And he abandoned ship. So if it's not clear, today we wanted to talk about Diablo, most notably Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, since now you've been able to go back in time and play one of my favorite games of all time, which is Diablo 2, specifically the Resurrected version. I've experienced the past. Yes, you But have. in the future. Ooh. <laughs> so I thought it was a good idea because you and I have different, very, very different uh, versions of it. Kind of like we did it with Mass Effect, mm-hmm. except I think there's less anger on this one. Yeah, I don't think I'm as um, emotionally hostile towards Diablo as I was towards Mass Effect, which is great. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was an experience and um, I don't know if it was a good or bad experience. It was just simply an experience. It was a game. Yeah, you've played... I don't know how many hours we've played of Diablo 3. Hours and hours oh, now. We honestly, I think every season that came out, at least for the first, oh, I don't know, 15 or so, we would just repick up the game and go, hey, okay, we're going to play through this season and do the exact same thing over and over again. Yeah, we would always come out with max builds. The only thing we never did was push the Ancients, right? Because I think they came out a little later with like Ancient. Yeah, we never really pushed it to like the maximum potential. I would say, of any one character, but we would always replay through and see what the unique sets were that came out or, you know, sometimes they added some new abilities in there or whatever the case was. But I mean, yeah, we really, we didn't push it that far. No, but we did the Ubers. We did all the bosses. We just didn't, we weren't in for pushing the higher level GRs, the greater rifts. We did greater rifts, but I think we maxed out at like, what, 30, 40-ish, maybe 50? No, I think we got higher than that. Did we? Oh, yeah. I remember being up to at least like 70. Really? Yeah. I can't remember. Because I think 120 is like way up there for greater rifts. And I think we were in like the 70s. Were we? Yeah. It's been a At least for one of the characters anyway. It's been a long time for me. Mm -hmm. So now that you've got your hands on, and I've, I've always sat down and every single time we played D3, I'd always just be like, honey, honey, you don't know. You don't know about D2. Have I told you about our Lord and Savior, D2? This would be so much better if it was Diablo 2. You don't even understand. Yeah, the Necromancer's so much better. The Druid Summoning, awesome. Yeah, the art style, oh my god. But I've had a chance to play with D2 Resurrected. And I can say, here's the deals. As someone who's played a shit ton of D2, I can comfortably say that D2 Resurrected is a correct reimagining. It is a growth. It is what I remember D2 being. From a technical standpoint, they did a very, very good job of recreating Diablo 2 for a, a new age, right? It is the essence of Diablo 2, but just prettier and, and more mechanically functional. Yeah. And they did a, a very true recreation of Diablo 2 that is playable in 2021, yeah. You know, that doesn't look like pixels on a screen that might be something of, of <laughs> I don't know, a character or significance. Is that a staff or are you just happy to see me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Are your pixels happy to see me? Yeah, I think what I noticed the most, and this is something you wouldn't notice, so I'm adding my nostalgia part of it. There were things in the game where I was like, oh yeah, this is how I remember the game playing. And then I looked back and I went, 
no, this wasn't in the original game. They changed this, but it just felt so right. Little tiny changes, little animations, little adjustments that felt like they were in the original game. But when I went and looked back, I went, no, they weren't there. They weren't like that. And that threw me off that they had such a good recreation that they were able to make changes and I didn't notice at all. So I thought that was really cool. That it, uh, To me, it felt like Diablo, too. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that. And you played through Diablo 3 with pretty much every class, I think. Yeah. Like, I've, honestly, I think the only ones I never really got that far into were basically Witch Doctor and Demon Hunter. Those are the only two that I wasn't a huge fan of their both uh, artistic style and combat style. Okay. It just wasn't my, my type of play. Um, mostly for the demon hunter, I didn't like the dual resource. I found that to be more of a cumbersome mechanic right. than it was anything else. Which doctor, I just didn't really enjoy the the flavor of it. Yeah, so I, I never, I. I was never really that into it. But I've played everything else. I've I've done greater rifts with all the other classes, and I enjoyed all the other classes. So that's awesome. So this time you've only played once. You didn't play through it. We never really. We were recording this, and I think you mentioned you wanted to try out as an assassin going back. Through. Correct. Yes. So we haven't had a chance to do that. We figured we just want to get this out there and, and talk about it now. You played through the Druid. Yes. Talk about your build and the Druid that you chose to go through normal. Because you didn't. You kind of consulted me, but you sort of went your own route and looked online and figured yeah. out what you want to do. So I chose Druid. Um, I liked the idea of Druid. It felt very much, in D3, it was kind of a mix between Wizard and Witch Doctor and a little other stuff kind of just you know thrown in here and there. And I chose to do, um, well, initially it was the fire build druid. Yeah. So I had, I think it was firestorm. Um, there was like a molten ball thing that rolled across the ground and then an ability called fissure. And honestly, like mechanics wise, it felt very sorcerer. I felt like I was playing a sorcerer, but also I had a little more beefiness to me so I could be actually be in melee yeah. if I had to. Well, a lot of your spells... And it spells, wasn't going to get one-shotted. A lot of your spells, whereas the sorcerer, once you get to a higher level, your spells are like Blizzard. They're far away from you or they're further blasting. Whereas because of the way your fissure worked, they would spread out too quickly. So you had to get into melee in order to make your fissures really work. And then or your fissures, sorry, your fissures were like the ones that had a fire come up from the ground. Right? Yeah. You're thinking firestorm. Firestorm. Which firestorm was the, was the three lines that came out. Right. Folk, it was basically in a cone um, starting from my character. Okay. And you had to get real close up with that. So you were kind of a melee caster. Yeah. Know. But there was a very fine line between I couldn't be in melee enough to get hit, but I had to be in melee enough to hit everybody else. So you'd like run in, dodge, do a cast here or there and then run out. Yeah. Then back in. It was, it was very touchy. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I enjoy close combat casting. I think it was a little annoying. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, I think it was, it was an enjoyable playthrough. I, I liked the class. Um, I never really got into any of the other types of druid, like summoning or um, the shape changing druid or whatever yep, the case yep. is. Um, and I know that if I had continued on past normal, um, I would have respect into the cyclone druid build because I guess that's kind of what you do yes. in later game. It's more viable. Um, but I just never, I never continued on. So I've never had the need to, I guess. So let's jump right. We're going to skip the art style because I know that's a big topic, but this kind of leads us into combat. I think it's very easy to say that the combat between D2 and D3 are drastically different. Oh, very much so. D2 felt like a, very much a classic 90s game where everything is kind of slow 
and mechanical, but very, um, very numbers based. It was a, it was a numbers game. Like I hit you for, you know, 30, you hit me for 15. I hit you for, and you see those numbers back and forth. And it was just a lot of like slow math in the background. Did it remind you? And I know that I enjoy that aspect because you know me, I love my Pathfinder and I don't like D&D 5e because the numbers kind of go away and Mm -hmm. I like the numbers. So that matching your numbers and making them just right. And yes, there, you can do whatever build you want with your stats, but there's the classic, you're going to do it wrong if you don't follow this, these rules. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you can do whatever you want with your stats, but if you don't do them right, you're just going to die. Right. And that's true with something like Pathfinder. If you don't do your stats right, if you're a, if you're a monk and you go all charisma and all, you know, I don't even know, uh, not Dexter, that's a, that's a bad one, but all strength. It's mm-hmm. not really going to give you any. You want dex and wisdom, right? Correct. So in this case, that's kind of the way you have to think about it. Did you find that aspect fun in any way? The, you had more control over your character. You chose put more energy in. You chose to put more strength in or dexterity. Um, I found it was... You know what? I honestly, I don't think I did. Because the numbers were so particular that if you put the wrong stats in the wrong place for any one of your skill allotments, your character was going to be gimped. But are we talking skill or attribute here? Uh, both. So, yeah. so with the attributes, you get them in chunks of five. Yeah. You didn't feel like any five points mattered, right? Like when you were putting five points, did you ever feel a difference to your character at any no, point? No, not really. So it, it was this slow growth over time now for the skill. So the attributes, you were like, ah, I fine, level them on my own. I don't care. Yeah. The only thing with that is, it's funny, I didn't feel like it mattered if I put them in the right spot, but it mattered if I put them in the wrong spot. So okay. if I like, apparently I didn't know this, but when you play D2, um, you're never supposed to allot energy ever. Doesn't yeah. matter what you play, what class, if they use it, a lot of mana, nope, energy, you just don't do that because that's a waste. So in the beginning, I was like, oh, energy. Well, that makes sense because I'm a caster. You'd think I would use energy. No, that was just a waste of points. So putting those points into energy, I felt like I was now behind of yes. what I, w- I would have, what I should have been at that point. And I felt like, okay, well now I just screwed myself because I just lost out on those points. So do you remember the reason why you did that? Why that was the focus? Why no one put energy into their abilities? Now you never made it to nightmare help. Or hell mode. Correct. Do you know why that was like that? Because you're just supposed to be able to manage potions. That's like a big... Honestly, like there is playing Diablo 2 and then there is playing the game of inventory and potion management. Yeah. Which is basically something that you're just expected to do and know how to do. And it's just a thing. And honestly, that to me, trying to balance... You know, using my abilities, being where I'm supposed to be, and then, oh, I have to remember to use my potions and, you know, make sure my potions are on my bar and make sure that I'm using the right potions and make sure, you know, whatever. That was, it's almost too much. It's too much to, like, deal with all at once. Well, that's how they made the trade out, I think, really. I think that's one feature that I think they made better in Diablo 3 was less potion management. Um, they made the potions a holy shit, holy shit thing. Right. There was a uh, a crisis moment that you had to use, but you never really had to think about it. It was just like, oh, it's there as like an oh shit moment. And I know I have it, but it wasn't. I never had to think about it. It was just like, okay, when I need it, it's there. That's it. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, that being said, with I played a summoner. I've played a summoner. I've gone all the way through hell. 
uh, with a bunch of my buddies. I've gotten all the rune words. The potion management for me became less intense. That's usually why I play the Summoner Necro, because mm. it's less intense by the time you start getting gear. So the idea is that once you get to a certain level, you stop... Um, you stop needing because you get ener- so much energy allotment attributes because you get attributes from your gear. So if you remember in Diablo 3, and this is something I thought was very interesting. Diablo 3, a lot of the set gear, a lot of the gear you wanted for your build were, well, this one gives you an extra 30% damage to this one ability. Yeah, that I remember that. you stacked and stacked and stacked. And yep. you, that's kind of how it worked. And they changed your abilities fundamentally. Whereas in Diablo 2, it just changes your numbers and increases your numbers so that something becomes viable. Yeah, like you get a plus three to all of your skills or to any like fire-based skills or whatever the case was. But it never changed what your skills did fundamentally. It never changed um, like how your character plays. It just makes it better at what it already does. Yeah, and so I found that that happens now. I do admit that that's kind of boring. I can see it is. now the logic that they had when they were doing Diablo 3. Like, no, that's boring. That's not fun for most people. That's why they changed the runes to these other things. Now, I think they changed the rune words and they screwed up. I, I very much... Did you enjoy the aspect of collecting runes and putting into gear? Or was it kind of ruined for the fact that I knew all the runes and they were all available online? So it was like crafting, but crappier. Yeah, honestly, I didn't really... It didn't feel special to me in any way. It was just like picking up. It's, it's the same idea as picking up crafting resources in D3 and then going and, and you know, just making stuff. It, it wasn't like special in any way. It was just a thing you did. Do you feel it was better? That concept was better or worse than the crafting in D3? Because I felt D3's crafting was bland because it, it was just gather material, push a button and craft it. Whereas this one, at least back in the day, there was a lot less information. So like, oh, rune words and oh, I made a leaf. Like, holy crap, because I did things in just the right order. Yeah, I think the advent of the internet has really um, taken away that mystery. Yeah. Right? Because there's no trial and error of trying to, you know, put stuff together and see what you get anymore. It's just like, okay, no, I'm, I'm going to go do this in the most efficient way possible. I'm just going to Google what I need and then just do it. So yeah. I think that kind of takes away from that. But that's just, that's how we play games anymore, right? That's the, that's our reality yeah, of we don't have modern gaming. There anymore. is no mystery. It's just... Even when a game first comes out, like day one, there's already guides and walkthroughs and, you know, somebody's going to tell you exactly how to play this game, you know, in the most efficient way possible. And you can just go look it up and go, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And there are already speed runs for something like Dread that I just finished playing. Yeah, exactly. They they came out like day one. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So that being said, so crafting, we like, I think we like the concept from D2, the mystery. The problem is the mystery is ruined, so it doesn't work in this new day and age. Yeah, and I think, too, the mystery is great if you are willing to put the time into it. Yeah. As, you know, somebody who works a full-time job and, you know, can't devote, you know, 10 hours a day to gaming anymore, if I had to sit there and trial and error runes to get something that may or may not be useful to me, that just feels like a waste okay. that I'm like wasting resources that are time consuming to collect and don't really drop that often. And I get nothing for it. Okay. That makes sense. So. All right. So we've talked about uh, the UI, the management. I, I think you're one of these people that everything that drops on the floor, you feel compulsion to pick it up. Sure. Yeah. Because the games that I play are essentially like loot hoarding games. That's what you do. The whole point is to get that dopamine hit of picking the thing up off the floor and seeing what it is and seeing if it's good. Yeah. So did you find, do you enjoy Diablo 2's loot system more or Diablo 3? And for those that aren't 
really sure. I think I've identified the difference now. Um, let, I want to hear what you'd say before I talk about what I found in, in my nostalgia glasses. Honestly, I found that it was kind of the same, at least early on. So in like early, the early days of Diablo 3, I don't think the loot was as much like, you know, a confetti pinata of, mm -hmm. of stuff when you kill the mob. It was like, okay, yeah, you get a piece of blue every once in a while. And oh, wow, that, that, they dropped like a yellow piece of here. That's really good. But I don't, I like, I remember playing early on and it wasn't always like legendaries all the time. And I feel like those percentages got changed as the game was out for longer mm -hmm. because that's just what people wanted. They didn't want to have to, you know, spend a bunch of time in the early areas slogging around trying to pick up gear. So I think the give you, you know, really good stuff all the time just sort of detracts from that feeling of success of getting a good drop. And I, I honestly believe that D2 did a really good job of balancing that out. And I think because gear isn't like as fundamentally game-changing in D2 as it is in D3, mm -hmm. not having those like, you know, epic drops or legendary drops all the time didn't feel like it was taking away from the game in any way. Yeah. Yep. Whereas if they did that in D3, your gear means so much to your character that if they just suddenly lowered the drop rate, you'd feel like your character was completely and utterly handicapped. Yeah. And I found, I found that in D2, when you would kill a boss at the end of a greater rift or at the end of a, a regular rift and they would just be a pinata of colors and you just pick up everything and figure it out later. Whereas in D2, there is a sense of, holy crap, that's a ghost armor and that's a unique name. Oh, what is it? What could it be? And you, people were so rushed to get their stuff that even though you could go back to town and get all your stuff identified for free by Kane, people would pay because it's cheap anyway mm -hmm. to have an identification tome in their very limited inventory. They would take up space in their inventory just so they could look at the item right now because they were so excited to see it. And that's one thing I think... I believe really takes away from D2 is the stupid inventory Tetris. <laughs> Honestly, it is so annoying and it doesn't, it doesn't add to the game in any way because I just find that all I have to do is, you know, load up my inventory with as much stuff as possible, as much stuff as possible, leave, go to town, get all identified, sell everything, go back pick everything up again and just do it again. See, and I think that's where there's the mistake is back in the day, I don't think there was that concept of loot pinata and pick up everything. Mm. So there were people that were definitely like that. And early on in the game, you want to do that to build up cash. But as you know, once you get to like act four-ish, you stop, not even, once you get to like act two, you're like, I don't care about the blues anymore. Yeah, and you really don't need to pick them up. Like, I'll honestly, you could just leave it there. And it's not like you are really losing out because money doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Unless you're you're going and you're like gambling for gear all the time or, you know, you need it for something. I don't even know. I don't think I spent like any of my money on anything except for no. pairs. Um, there's no reason for you to go and, and sell every item to get that, that gold value out of it. But my brain just goes, well, it could be, you know, 1% better than what you're wearing. So you need to pick it up. Yeah. And that's why I feel compelled to pick up everything. But you're right. It's not a necessity by any means. So 
I think in the case of the loot, I prefer the D2 loot, but both mostly because I don't have that compulsion that you do. I've got a very focused mindset. You've seen it when I game. I have a goal. Oh, what's that? That wall over there? I don't give a shit if it's breakable. I'm going there. And see, I, I don't know if it's like an OCD level compulsion, but I feel the need to like open every chest. You know, break every vase. Even if it's trapped, I'll still break it. I don't yeah, care. I need to like a long time to learn that lesson in the catacombs and act Yeah. And I need to like touch every body and touch the walls. Like, you know, there could be something in everything. So I need to find out. And I, there's a part of me that almost enjoys that aspect. I really enjoyed that in D3. I loved, you know, all the little like nooks and niches and random little doodads that they put in the game that you could click on. And sometimes something would pop out of it. And you're like, oh, man, wow, cool. Loot. Awesome. Yeah, don't ever go gambling. <laughs> Yeah, no, gambling's not for me. So we talked about the combat. It's slower. You you enjoy D3 because I think you like the mobility more. It's way more mobile. Yeah, and going back to the whole like numbers aspect, I, I do feel like D2 is a math battle. Whereas I feel like D3 is just like, you know, run in and, and do something really flashy and smash all the things. And the numbers really don't matter because, you know, whether you use two abilities or three abilities, you're going to kill everything anyway. Okay. And it's more about what you're doing and less about the numbers and the damage behind what you're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's less math and more just like combos, I guess. I think in that way, that's, there are two different games. Fundamentally D two reminds me more of a tabletop RPG, which is its origin, right? Whereas D three feels more like an action game. Yeah. D two is more like the old school, like Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter Nights or, you know, those very classic like tabletop conversion games that have been done on a computer. And those are very math based. And there's a lot of math that goes on in the background. And don't get me wrong. There's math that goes on in the background of D three too, obviously, but you just don't care about it as much. It's not about the numbers and what your numbers are doing. It's about, you know, making sure you use the right two abilities together after another because they have to make synergy. Synch- yeah, make they, synergy. Yeah, exactly. And they have, you know, they do something when you do the two abilities together or, you know, making sure that, you know, you're you're in the right place and doing the right thing and, and you know, whatever. Just looking cool, I guess, when you're playing. So speaking of looking cool, now that you clearly enjoy the more active aspect of D3, whereas I like them both, but I treat them as different games. Yeah, that's fair. Um. What about the art style? So obviously you and I think that's one of the biggest controversies in mm. when D3 came out and you obviously didn't really think anything of it. Do you see now the controversy and why people would be upset when they moved from D2 and got this D3? Okay. So the argument I've heard since D3 came out is it's too bright. It's too bright. It's too, it's colorful. too, colorful. No, it's too colorful. Well, no, bright too, I've heard. Yeah, bright too. Yeah. So everybody says, well, it's too colorful. It's not Diablo. And I went, okay, but it's really pretty. And, you know, they did a really good job on an artistic level. Every every area has like its own, I would say, color theme to it. Mm -hmm. Um, An overarching, like almost filter. And you can see that a lot more in Reaper of Souls where, you know, you go to an area and it's overwhelmingly blue or, you know, overwhelmingly yellow. And everything kind of goes in that theme. Whereas D2, they kind of do that, but it's it's so muted. Yep. And I believe that, like, in the game itself, D2 is, like, dark. Yes. Not just dark-themed, like, physically dark. And I know there's a whole mechanic of, you know, light radius and, then like, how far you can see with the light radius. But I almost feel like that actually detracts from the environment of the game itself. Now, that's just me 
who's used to D3 being this bright, you know, you could see everything on the map yeah. kind of when you're in an area. But I'm, you know, trying to appreciate the environment on an artistic level. You can't even see half of it True. when you're playing. So there's all these little like nuances and really like intricate environmental details that just get lost because it's just so dark all the time, no matter where you are. And it also makes Except it really for the desert. Yeah. Okay. Luca Lane and like that area, that's pretty bright, but the caves are still dark and that's where you spend most of your time anyway. True. True. Um, I think the, the mistake that's being happened here is you, what happened fundamentally in both style. And we could talk about the story in both story and art style is you came from D2, which I would say is a horror action RPG. Whereas D3, I feel is more of a fantasy action RPG. If that makes sense. It's got that different no. style. I never once in D D3 felt, what's beyond that door? Is it going to fuck me up? Like, mind you, don't be wrong. You think of what's beyond the door. Is it a special mod? Do I get a, do I get a loot pinata past the door? But it's not a, oh, you never have a moment where, and, and maybe you didn't feel that, maybe you didn't feel this because you had me playing with you all the time, but there's a sense I felt in Diablo 2 that I always got, you know, the time when we went to the catacombs and I think it was right before the jail cells in act one and we had to go get the malice for Charcy. Mm, yes. And there's just a moment where you're sitting there and suddenly the butcher comes running out, mm, fresh meat or whatever the blacksmith or whatever his name is. And he just comes charging at you from the utter darkness of the edge of the screen. And that's all you hear. And you're like, holy shit, what's coming after me? And there's this moment of I'm about to get fucked and you, you feel oppressed. You feel like it's you against this world and it's you. Every corner could kill you. Yeah, I get that. And I think there was at one point in the game and it wasn't even intentional where I got like jump scared by something that just sort of like popped out around a corner. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> and there is a lot of that. Yes, because there is it's dark. And so you never know, you know, what's going to pop into your peripherals when you take a step forward. Yeah. So, yes, it is. It is a kind of horror aspect, whereas Diablo 3 doesn't really have that. It is more fantasy. It's more open. It's yes. more uh, mystical, magical, I guess, if you want to call it that. But you like the art style of Diablo 3 over Diablo 2 because you like to look at the art. You like to look at the environment. I like the overwhelming gothic overtone of D2. I okay. think that the that gothic theme is perfect because it is classic gothic. It is angels, it's demons, it's, you know, like a horrible, dark world filled with, you know, crazy things that are going on and creatures out of hell. I think you mentioned when we were in Act 4 in Hell, you're like, this place is more culty. This game is more about cults and, and evil cults than Diablo 3, yeah. you felt. Um, I felt like... Here's the thing. In Diablo 3, I never felt like the enemies were as threatening as the enemies in Diablo 2. Like, yeah, people had, like, really sad stories and they were really messed up on, like, a psychological level or, you know, whatever. They would take it over. But they were just... Uh, they were like fantasy creatures. They're just mook monsters. Yeah. Whereas in Diablo 2, it's like, oh no, this person has like completely been taken over by a demon and has like lost their mind and they're just going around the world summoning creatures from hell. Like every hero it, that was in the previous game always turned out to be a villain right. in the next and it's game. Right. It feels so overwhelmingly like gloomy and depressing and they really give you that sense of like 
despair. Like the world is coming to an end and everything is horrible and there is nothing that anybody can do about it. And I think that's one thing they changed. And I, there's one feature of D3 that I, I absolutely loved. I think the story for D3, so we can talk about the story here. I think the story for D2 is one step forward, two steps back style. Yeah. Yes, I'm the hero. Yes, I showed up. Yes, I stopped bail. But the world stone was lost. Many people died. And I'm likely going to turn out to be a corrupt, evil motherfucker that's going to be a villain in the next game. Yeah, because that's what happened to everybody else. And you know what? There really wasn't like a happy ending. Like, Marius' story is just sad. Oh, yeah. He is this, this poor old man that just gets kind of wrapped up oh. in all this crap going on. And it's like... Man, he just got fucked the I whole way. I absolutely love, I think we were watching the first, uh, the, the cinematics as we were going through. And when the first cinematic came by, you had already played D3, but you'd never done the story of D2. You didn't really know it. You never watched the cinematic. You knew I could script them. Like I could just say them out of my mind at any moment. Oh, yeah. All of them. So Word I, for word. Word for word. Um, and there was a moment in the first cinematic where, air quotes, Tyrion sat down and was acting kind of weird and Marius assumed it was uh, Tyr- Tyrion. Yeah. Did I say Tyrion? I think he said Tyrion. Yeah, Tyrion. And wrong like, franchise. Oh, yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly. And he, he's <laughs> like, oh, it's you, Tyrion. And you're like, that doesn't sound like Tyrion. I'm like, I, I, I didn't want to spill the beans. And first you're like, it doesn't sound like the actor. I'm like, oh, they changed actors, remember? And you're like, oh, okay. And you kind of settled into it. And then there was a later scene where he acted kind of shitty. And you're like, I don't know if that's Tyrion. And I'm trying not to say anything. I'm like, she doesn't know it's Bale. She doesn't know it's Bale. <laughs> you know what, though? I do uh, I do miss the fact that I, I honestly really like the actor they got for Tyrion in D3. He just, he really, I, I feel like he makes that character. So maybe it's because that's the Tyrion that I got used to. But in D2, it's a different voice actor entirely. Yes. And I think it's just weird. It's not It's not my Tyrion. <laughs> hashtag. Has- hashtag not my Tyrion. <laughs> See, now, I like the voice of Tyrion from D2. Um, I don't mind the path they went. A lot of people are upset at the path they took Tyrion to kind of replace Kane and be this... I do think the whole story arc of him like tearing off his wings and choosing to become mortal was kind of stupid and gay. That's eh, a little over the top, a little, little dramatic. Yeah, a little just dumb. But I do, I didn't mind him becoming um, a representative of the mortal race to the angels. I had no problem with that. Yeah, he kind of became like the, you know, the the humanity yeah. Um, the representation of humanity for heaven. Yes. And yeah, I think that was kind of necessary. Yeah, I think it was okay. Um, I think story-wise, do you now see why I feel like they did um, Kane dirty in D3? They didn't even give him a cinematical death. They just killed him in like some shitty, terribly scripted cutscene. Yeah. You know what? Okay, talking about story, I also never realized that D3's story is literally like copy pasta of D2 in a different setting. Like act one, you're, you know, going around the the forest area and you know, the, you know, it's, it's kind of dark and you meet zombies and stuff. And then act two, Oh look, we're in a desert. What do you know? Yep. And it's just like, Oh, in act two, you have to collect a bunch of pieces to put together to unlock a place. Sounds like a black soul stone. Yeah. (laughs) Oh wow. Is that Zoltan cool? No, that's uh, no other, other magical dude with another name. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Oh, that's Horizon. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And then what was, what was the scenery of act three? Was that the Mount Ariat? 
No, no, that was Act 5. So Act 3 is the jungle, uh, Kurast. Right, right. Which I think doesn't quite translate to Act 3 The closest of... one to that is Act 5 of Diablo 3. Remember we go yeah. through like the Bloodborne So they kind like of mix it up a little bit in that aspect. And then obviously Act... Um, for you were just in hell instead of heaven. Yeah, which, which I was fine. I enjoyed seeing heaven in D3. Yeah, um, I think they did a really good job. Yeah, I, I, I was happy. I didn't want to go back to hell. Um, I was like, okay, we're, we're done with hell. We did hell in Act 4. Yeah, We yeah. don't need to be there anymore. Um, but yeah, you're right. The story I felt in D3 was weak. The only thing that I really enjoyed, that I loved, is that they introduced um, Leia, or Leah. Leah, yeah. And they're like, and they they're like, hey, she's gonna be the new Kane, right? She's studying to be Kane. She's studying to look up to Kane. She's gonna be the new Kane. She's gonna be the new Kane. Mm. They kill off Kane, and Leah's taking her role, and she's gonna be the new Kane, and she's in cinematic studying. And then they do that whole one step forward, two step back thing where your savior, the one who's gonna save you and do the research and find the way to stop the evil, turns out to be the source of the problem and is corrupted immediately. And Leah turns into Diablo, spoiler alert, if you didn't. Yeah, if you haven't played it. From 2012? Yeah, it came out 2012. 10 years ago? Uh, What about that? Yeah, 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 10 years ago. Nine nine years ago, technically. We're only in 2021. No, we're in 2022. No, we're in 2021. Are we? Yep. Oh, wow. This pandemic's thrown me all off. (laughs) Oh, yeah, look at that. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So I really enjoyed that aspect of the story. I think that's the one thing I did like. Yeah, they did that really, really well, I will say. The other problem that I had with, um, they always talk about these demons, Diablo, Baal, Mephisto being the prime evils and how they're going to fuck up the world and all this stuff. And the two first bosses are the little lesser evils, you know, and Dario and Durio. Yeah. And you're like, okay, fine. And however, D3, they tried to make the starting act of D3 feel threatening by having more lesser evils. It's like, dude, I've already dealt with the prime evils. Your Asmodan's not going to frighten me or Belial. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they did Asmodan and Belial. But I, I felt like it was less about the primevals in D3 and more just about like bad people of the world. Because we, we fought like um, Leoric. Yeah. Um, King Leoric. King Leoric. And then we fought the Butcher. And then there was just kind of like a bunch of like little random sub enemies, but the actual, even though there were lesser primevals, they felt like they weren't really the, I don't know, the main evil of the game, which is really weird. Well, they weren't. But the thing is, is you're like, I don't feel threatened by these people. And there's another act coming up. So what's the twist? And you're just, you're waiting for the curtain to come up. Like, so I wasn't fooled by it. I was fooled by the uh, Leah thing. Yeah, that was really well done. I like that. What did you think of the story of Diablo 2? Now, having gone from Diablo 3 and Diablo 2, I know it's it's harder to read the story. I think I walked you through a lot of it because a lot of it's in extra books and extra reading. Yeah, I feel like they really didn't, unless you, uh, I mean, it's a very classic 90s game where if you want all the story you got to work for it you got to go explore you got to find those random little like holes in the game that have this you know chest with this random note in it that when you read it you go oh wow that's like that's that's crazy that adds to the story why didn't i know this before yes whereas you know just reading through quest text i felt like i didn't really get i don't know like the main meat and potatoes of the story yeah. like i felt like i was just being sent on like errands by people which is very classic quest text yep 
but the story was just something that was happening around me that I wasn't necessarily involved in. Yep. And that felt kind of weird. Okay. So now, do you think it was weird? I don't know if you noticed this at all. Remember, this game is from 1999, I think. Yeah, something like that. All your quests, all dialogue was dialogue, was spoken dialogue. You didn't yes. read any of it. You're right. It was read to me. Yeah, which is, I, I never realized how special that was at the time. And now that I look back and I realize there are games that still don't do that today. No, they had they must have had a pretty decent um, voice acting budget because, yeah, there's a lot of games today that are like, yeah, we're not spending money on that. We don't want people. We're not going to pay people. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty impressive. Um, so what about exploration? Let's talk about quick. Let's talk quickly about going around the world. And I know we talked about the map and the art style. Did you find any different from like how you explored the world? Did that feel any different? Does it feel any different to me? No, it feels the same as D3. Okay. You, you know, you go around the world. There's like random little like sub dungeons that you go into. Um, I never realized how much I appreciated that Diablo three will put that little nice teleportation <laughs> orb at the end of the dungeon that says, Oh, look, you're done. Now you can just take this orb and go back to the beginning instead of, no, you got to slog your ass right back through the entire thing. It's like, okay, well, geez. Yeah, that's true. That is something that's pretty, pretty nice to have. And it's, just, I'll, it's I'll a nice little, like, I don't know. What do you call that? Um, I don't know. There's a word for it. I can't think of it. See, I, I felt like it felt like things didn't have uh dead ends. Whereas Diablo two, there was dead ends. You'd take a turn, go down, or think, "Ah, oh, fuck, that's not the right way," and turn around. So it felt more like. Remember, I'm a love. I'm a. I'm a love of Metroidvanias. Yes. Which is constant exploration. If meeting dead ends, that's fine. Hitting a dead end is fine. Just turn back and start again. And I, so I didn't mind that aspect. I actually don't like the clean jump into a an obelisk and then get whisked to the beginning. <laughs> You know what? I will say that the little dungeons and whatnot, even ex exploration in D3 felt very linear. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, there was little offshoots of dead ends, we'll call them, but they were so minor that it didn't feel like, you know, such a hassle to get to the end of the hallway and then have to go back. It was just sort of like, oh, I ran this way for three seconds and it's empty, so I'm just going to run back, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, every dungeon was generally, yeah, pretty linear. There was a couple little like offshoot hallways. You could choose one or the other, whatever the case was. Yeah. They would always round back to the same yeah, place. Yeah. But D2, it's like, no, I could be running around this map in one direction for like five minutes and find out that where I need to be is on the complete other side of the map and now have to run through the entire thing again. Yes. And so that was... I don't know if I would consider that good or bad. It was just what the game was. Now that I have game experience, I view that as an alternative to grinding. Because you don't, you no longer just reload and fight the same enemies ever again. You do at higher levels. But mm -hmm. in the normal levels, you don't do that. But you found yourself naturally gaining levels just by going in the wrong direction and fighting everything along the right, way. Right, yeah. Because if you just honestly just fight all the packs that you run into, you never really had to grind. You just you know, God experience trying to find the door where that you're trying to go into. Yeah. And so I never felt, I never felt like I was behind in levels by any way. No. So that was good. So we talked about this. Now I, I do have to ask, I will talk about the controversies of D3 because that's something where you don't really see the difference. You knew there, I don't think you never played Diablo 3 until Reaper of Souls, I think, right? No, I played it right when it first came out. Did you? Yeah, absolutely. I don't remember that. Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't remember. I know there was a bunch of controversies. There's a list of them. We're going to talk about the top three, really. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about uh, Error 37 at launch. Mm -hmm. And I want I laugh at that because that was such a shit show and this always online thing and no one can connect and he lost characters. And I everyone had a huge flashback 
when Resurrected was launching. They're like, what is this, D3 all over again? Didn't yeah. you learn your lesson? And you know what's funny? Error 37 in D3 was that you just simply couldn't get on. Like, nobody in the world could connect to this game for whatever reason. Yeah. Whereas the errors that were happening in D2 were far more detrimental. It was like, no, I log into my character and then suddenly my, I can never log into that character ever again. And the next time I log on, that character is just gone. Yeah. Right. So that's. Mind you, they had that problem with Diablo 3. And I mentioned that earlier where Rob would played with me when we first started. It was me, myself, Rob, and someone else. Mm. And we were playing through and we were constantly getting disconnected. It was a fight. It was a hassle. And eventually we got to the last section of Act 1. We were going through like the catacombs right before you fight the butcher. Mm -hmm. And we got kicked out. And we're like, okay, we'll, we'll play again tomorrow. And we came back and Rob's character was gone. Never to be seen again. Mine was shunted back like 10 levels and... Uh, you know, yeah, they points. did. They had rollback problems with uh, Resurrected as well. So. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. So they had these problems with D three just as much, and that's why Rob has never played D three because <laughs> he got such a bad taste in mouth. He felt so screwed over because I think it happened to him twice. That's rough. He got real unlucky. Yeah, and he just felt dirty, and he was just like, "I'm never. You've denied. You have betrayed me too many times." Um, you know what's funny? I don't think I. I don't remember playing D3 at launch specifically. I think I picked it up a little after the game had been out for a while because I don't remember having the Error 37 problem. No, I don't think so. Um, but by the time I picked it up, that those connection problems were just not a thing. So I never really had to deal with that. But I know there was a lot of memes online for the longest <laughs> time of people's frustration with this. And it, it was bad. It was messy and it just did not go well. Yeah, I don't know and how long it lasted. D2, we kind of avoided it. I didn't play it right away. No, we kind of waited. A, I was waited. busy. B, yeah. I kind of knew it was going to be a thing because every Blizzard launch, every game launch is like that. Yeah, they're just messy. And you know what? I think the biggest problem with the D3 launch was just simply the lack of communication, right? It was people were frustrated because they couldn't log on and, you know, they didn't know why. And Blizzard was just radio silent. There was yeah. no... You know, hey, listen, guys, we're sorry this is happening to you. We're working on it. It was just like nothing. Yeah. Nothing for three days. Well, they and didn't then, say much on this one because they were too busy abusing their employees. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> too busy uh, planning Bill Cosby parties. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, but what I did find interesting was um, even though everyone shit on D3 for being always online. Now, we, we here at this house, we have fiber. We have one of the more solid connections. I'm an IT guy. If my internet goes down, it's it's a crisis of faith. Yeah, we just never really have internet issues. It's just, it's always there. Yeah, so we didn't really have that problem. And I never felt the need when we played D2 together because they took away the TCP IP thing, which is something you're not used to. No. There was a way in Diablo 3 originally because back then internet wasn't a guarantee. Right. So they would have TCP IP where you just connect directly to each computer. You didn't go through an internet server. It would just connect I mean, I can see the benefit of that, especially during like 90s LAN parties. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, so they got rid of that for security reasons. As an IT guy, I understand. I know there's a lot of hatred towards it on the internet. I get it and I support it. Honestly, it sounds weird, but I support and it. And honestly, I think TCAP, or TCP IP um, was one of the main outlets that people used for hacking and yes, for... Um, community. Exactly. And so because they can't regulate that, yeah, I can, I can totally see why they would get rid of it because... You know, it's a giant security hole mm -hmm. and yep. it's something that they just don't want to have to deal with. And they have enough on their plate, especially now, um, <laughs> that it was something they could just sacrifice. And it really didn't make that much of a difference. Yeah, there's going to be people who are going to complain about it. But I mean, 
the always online thing works. And according to Blizzard, I mean, doesn't everybody just have internet? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't bother me until we had our login, Diablo 2 login problems. But I just sort of waited and went, you know, it'll settle off. And we knew that. And we were just patient with it because mm. every game is. We've been trained now. Our expectations are pretty low. <laughs> yeah, which is So sad. as long as we can play it eventually, we're not going to be upset about it. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty sad. So I don't think that was a big deal for us, either for Resurrected or Diablo. No, neither. Not for us. Now, what about the Real Money Auction House? I know that I never really used the Real Money Auction House in Diablo 2 or Diablo 3 all that much. I do know that one of my friends, we've had him on the show before, Nick. He actually paid real money in the auction house, you know, Nick. Mm -hmm. uh, and he actually bought me a few things as well when it first came out. Some of the best gear you could get oh, at the time. Of course he did. Yeah. So did you ever interact with the auction house from D3? Um, I used the auction house... For in-game currency, actually right. quite a bit, because um, I found it was just an easy way to get, you know, that one legendary that you needed that would just make your set, you know, what it was supposed to be. Yes. Instead of going out and spending a million years farming. And for the in-game currency, it was actually pretty reasonable because, I mean, in Diablo 3, money just drops like loot does. Yeah. So money, you just had millions and millions and millions of gold and it was, you know, not a problem. And you really didn't have to try for it. Yep. True. Um. So, you know, spending money in the auction house was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll just buy this thing. But the real life money part of it, I'm like, no, no, I would never do that. There is nothing that I could purchase in this auction house that I feel would justify any real monetary value. The other thing is, do you think it ruined the concept of the game because the whole point of the game is to do runs and and to grind and feel that endorphin hit when the thing drops and ka-ching and you hear the noise you're like oh what is it i want to identify do you think it ever ruined that fun out of it you know what uh, no because i feel like everybody who plays that game has a different reason a different like expectation of what they want out of that game mm -hmm. You don't have to use the auction house. True. It's not mandatory. It's not like something you have to do. If you want to go spend the time to farm those items and get that excitement when something drops because it might be the thing that you need, then go do it. But the problem is then you'd be behind your friends who have all went and purchased stuff, whether with real life or not is irrelevant. But Sure, yes. But I also didn't really feel like you had to play with other people in order to achieve anything in that game true like i didn't feel like it was a multiplayer game i just felt like it was a single player game that you could like play with your friends if you true. really wanted to it was kind of it was weird like that so the auction house you just sort of left it in a box and said eh, whatever it's, it, it exists i'll use it sometimes but it's not yeah and important. honestly i think i used it more in the beginning of the game and then when the greater rift system came out because that didn't come out till later that well, was remember the auction house was long gone before greater rifts came out did they just get rid of it entirely Oh, they so they got rid of Auction House when Reaper of Souls came out, and only Nephilim Rifts came out. And Nephilim Rifts, I don't even think were a part of the original Reaper of Souls. I can't remember exactly. Mm. And then when Nephilim Rifts became too boring for people, people needed like a ladder system. That's why Greater Rifts were invented. Oh wow, there was actually a lot more steps of that than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> and for some reason, I thought that the only the real life aspect of the auction house was removed i thought the in-game like gold nope. part was still there all gone okay well i guess that explains why i only have memories of using it very early on because i only ever used it early on yes um but it's for somebody who like me who doesn't necessarily enjoy repeated grinding of the same levels over and over and over again to get that one piece of gear you need 
I felt like the auction house was good yeah. because I, it was a trade-off. Like, yeah, I would do the runs and I would get something else that would be good for someone else. And I would put that up there for someone else to buy. And so, that money generated from that would allow me to get the piece that I needed. Now here's, here's where I'm bringing this all together. And this is why this is one aspect of D2. And this is one aspect we talked about. And we talk about in wow a lot. Why? One of the reasons I don't like WoW anymore, and I think uh, even Mike Morhai made a comment to it, was the auto, um, the auto joining um, dungeons mm, yes. ruined the game because it ruined the sense of community. So there is a group of people that I play D two with when I get a chance to, because I'm an adult now, um, mm. and there's a lot of trading. Someone might get a piece today, and I don't play with them for two days, and then they're like, oh. Adam, I saw a piece for you. It's got a plus two to all summon skills. Let me get that for you. Here you go, buddy. So because no items had that lock, you didn't have to be playing with them to trade and you didn't have to use the auction house. You could just pick up the gear, store it in your stash for your buddy and wait till he joins you in two days. Mm -hmm. And now you've got some, you've got this sense of community. People created economies, not on gold, but on runes because they were so prevalent and important. Yeah. And before it was SOJs. Uh, Stones of Jordans. And um, so there's a sense of community that happens in D2 where you have to go to, now you go to forum sites to help with trade and economy, but you had to go just have a room called have SOJ looking to trade. <laughs> and you had to wait for someone to show up and hope, you know. That they, they didn't scam you. That they didn't, And you had to play this game like, I'm going to drop mine over here and you drop yours over there, but it's within sight. And then we have to run at each other's thing. <laughs> you know and you know what's funny? I, I would say that most games nowadays don't really have that sense of community that's just gone yeah like gaming modern gaming is so different than gaming when it started that people just don't want to deal with other people that's just not a, something that they want to deal with in the game anymore yes. they just want to do their own thing they want to play a game with their friends only their friends nobody else and then they just want to be done with it there's no community but i will say that one game that kind of created a community is Animal Crossing. So that's one thing that I thought about with D2 when I was doing my community trading. So the way we do it is with a group of guys, we all get gear and anything we don't need among us, among like the group of us that we don't trade, mm -hmm. we give it to this one guy and he's a part of a forum. And that forum is a trading forum. And you actually get a currency in that forum. Right. Um, for trading items and stuff yeah. like that. And you get rated on how good you are and how long you've been there. And I sat there thinking about this forum going... This sounds like Amanda doing the Animal Crossing thing. Yeah, you know, it's funny. And you always talk about, like, how community is so important to a game. And I just go, yeah, you know what? No, like, I don't really care about that. And I thought about it. I was like, no, like, I almost kind of need the community at Animal Crossing anymore. Because I've gotten to the point where, like, I if I need a piece, I'll just go on Nookazon and go look for it and go trade with somebody. And it's the same thing. You kind of have that, like mutual trust moment of like, I'm going to drop my item. You're going to drop your item. And then we're going to run around each other. And we're going to go pick up the other items and hope we're not scamming. Yeah. Each there's other. like Mexican standoffs. Right. Time. Exactly. And they just hope that the other person's not going to rip you off. But it's the same thing. There's like a rating system. Yeah. There's like, um, you know, you get badges for and how many trades you do. There's this thing where in like the auction house, Oh, well it takes the guesswork away. It takes that, that it, it makes it easier. And you're like, I get it, but it also takes away the community. The ease takes away the community. You need yes. that rough patch. You need it to not be that easy. And I, I get it. If it could be easy and still be a community, great. But no one has been able to do that. Yeah, and it takes time. That's the thing. Like, yes, it will balance itself out. There will always be people who are going to scam you, who are going to rip you off, who yeah. are going to take everything that you have and give nothing back, like true pirates. <laughs> and it eventually, they will get blacklisted enough that nobody will trade with them anymore. Yes. 
but it takes time. And you know, a lot of people don't want to wait that time out to, you know, filter out the bad of the community to only have the good community left. They just see these bad people and go, wow, this community sucks. I'm not fucking and using this. Not only that, they're also the same people that get scammed on. Hey, this is the IRS calling. Like you, you have to be actively looking and right. understanding what you're like. No, that is not a prince from Nigeria who wants to sell you <laughs> a, 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 a Zod rune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> D2. Yeah. Like it's just not going to happen. You have to have a, a, your own sense of, um, protection like you have to know what to look for warning signs of like okay no this person is probably scamming because of this reason this reason this reason but you also have to just not blindly trust everybody that you run into yeah so i mean whatever it's a give and take but yeah i do feel like game communities can be good but it's so rare nowadays because people just are i don't know just don't want to trust other people. And that's yeah. just the way society is in general. Nobody wants to trust other people. And therefore, a community is just never created. And I think that's a huge loss from Diablo 3. I never feel like um, I pick up an item and I'm thinking about Osher. Or I'm thinking about Rob. Or I'm thinking about someone who, or, or Nick who plays with us. No, I'm just Joel. thinking about my other characters. Or I'm like, oh, I have this like barbarian that you know yeah. I could maybe use this on. It's about yeah. me because I can't give it to them. Right. So I'm not thinking about other people. And I think that that takes away from the community. I think that's a huge loss in Diablo 3. And I think that's what Diablo 2 needs to come back to. I'm okay. And that's one thing I learned from this is I'm okay with a lot of these. There's a lot of things in D2 that aren't as streamlined as in D3. And I think you mechanically just stamina running and you know, yeah like there's just like little things it's like okay yeah no this is just more of an annoyance than it is anything else it's not adding to your game in any way just something i have to think about but there are some of these annoyances and these imperfections that are needed for the greater picture it is needed that community and trade is so rough and weird in diablo 2 for it to be so exciting um, and for it to happen yeah I also feel like when you start playing in groups with like eight other players, it just becomes this who can, you know, fastest draw in the West, click on this item that drops. So you're absolutely right. And that's why I only play in group. You're, by the way, you are absolutely right. And I think that's one thing that kind of sucks, but that's another sense of it that here's another aspect that I thought about. Think about old WoW. Wow, original WoW was kind of the same way. There's classic ninja looters. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what you would do, when you ran with a crew that could successfully do the dungeon and didn't fuck each other over, what did you do? You friended them. You joined their guild. You joined their fucking guild. <laughs> you made a friend group. Yeah. Now you, these are people you, you can trust. You had a specific trusted group of people that you ran with that you knew weren't going to fuck you over, or at least not till like way later on. So maybe you get <laughs> something out of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And in I'm now playing with a group of uh, friends of Osher's, mm -hmm. and that's because I have a private group where... We do the dungeon together. We do the run and the bail runs and the, the Ubers and the, the key runs and so sure, on. Sure, yes. Together. Because we know that even if I pick up something, it doesn't matter. It's going to the communal pool. And we'll all see it and we'll all be able to judge on who it is. Like Osher, he picked up a Zod rune, which is one of the rare... It's I think it's the rarest uh, rune based on my memory. Mm -hmm. And he threw it down right in front of me, right on the ground. And I picked it up. I'm like, it's mine now. I'm not your friend anymore. <laughs> and he laughed because he knew because we trust each other. He yeah, knew yeah. I'm not, obviously. He knows where I live. I know where he lives. We, we play D&D &D together. You so, know where he lives? Yes, I do. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, there's this, that sense of community. I think that's lost in D3. And I think we need to, that to come back in D4. I'm willing to accept some of the rougher edges 
to bring back community, but no one will ever do that. No, and here's the thing. It won't come back in D4 because it was never established to be that way. Yeah. It happened in D2 because that's just how gamers were in the 90s. People yeah. were very much community. And, and I think it was mostly because, honestly, because people were nerds. Yeah. And nerds didn't really have a lot of friends. Yep. So you just, you wanted to make friends in whatever game you were playing because these were the only people that you could relate to yeah, and you true. needed to relate to them. And therefore, because you had things that you, you know, were mutually passionate about, they just became your friends. You just created, you know, a gr group of friends that had the same interests. Yep. And nowadays, you know, gaming is more mainstream. It's everybody can game. It's so easy. And yeah. it's, you know, it's you not on just, your phone on your ride. Yeah. It's quickly. not just like a niche thing for nerds anymore. So people don't feel the need to like be a community about it because everybody does it. So what does it matter? And like, you know, I'll just talk to my friends about it later anyway. And I don't know, they just don't want to make friends. That's not, the, that's not the point of playing games anymore. It's not to make friends. It's just to play the game. Yeah. To pass time while you're, you know, on your commute or sitting in your office bathroom True. or, you know, whatever the case is, or even just to, to unwind at the end of the night. But the purpose isn't to make friends. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I think in my, and I want to bring this around to like kind of final thoughts, final put togethers. Mm. This has taught me two things. One, I think I was too harsh on D3 in my life. I honestly, this has made me change my mind about D3. There's a joke about like D2 resurrected has made me want to go play D3. Yeah. And we've talked about that. And other, other people have mentioned the same thing that like, yes. oh yeah, the only thing that playing D2 has made me want to do is go back and play D3. So <laughs> I think that's true. It has made me want to replay D3. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I've been too harsh on D3, not to the point of thinking D3 is better than D2. I don't think that. I kind of think that. I know you do. <laughs> I think they're fundamentally different games. And yes, yes, I think there are a lot of mechanics that are rough around the edges for D2. I think what needs to happen is when they make D4 or whatever, they need to take some of the things that were good about D3 and some of the things that were good about D2 and make a baby. <laughs> yeah, but that's, and that's one of the biggest problems nowadays is games aren't created to be what people want games are created to make money oh, especially now with um, um assault and battery activision blizzard yeah absolutely <laughs> so i know that when they make d4 it's not going to be about what the community wants what people want out of a diablo game it's going to be what can we make that is going to sell the most amount of copies as possible yep. and maybe slide some microtransactions in there so we can keep making money maybe. later in the day. This is Activision Blizzard. There's, well, yeah, we there's going to be microtransactions, microtransactions, let's be honest. Come on. And I think that's a very disappointing thing because it's not, nobody wants to make a good game for the sake of making a good game. They just want to make a game to make a profit to go on to the next game to make a profit. I think it's why most of the games, not most, but a lot of the games I play nowadays are indie games. Yeah, because indie Generally, indie companies are very passionate about what they're making. They're not, they're not out there to make millions of dollars because they're that's not realistic. Unless yeah. you just somehow make a game that just becomes like top of the charts for the next fifteen years, which I mean, I mean, sometimes it happens. But they're there because they have an idea and they want. They're very passionate about that idea and they want to make that into a game so other people can enjoy it. Yes, and that's generally what makes very good games. You know, it's sad that most AAA companies nowadays don't even consider that yeah. as a part of the game making aspect. So with a rating system, how would you rate your experience with Diablo 3 out of 10? Diablo 3? Or whatever rating system you want. However many Ooh. primevils. <laughs> However many primevils. There are seven primevils, by the way. If you mm, want to rate it that way. That's right. Um, I would give it a five out of seven primevils. 
Really? Yeah, okay. because it was honestly for the amount that I paid for that game, I got years of play out of True. it. True. Right? Dollar value versus entertainment. I got way more out of it than I paid for. And it it led to some really good, you know, experiences with friends, running riffs or running through the game or even just like playing, you know, new characters, new classes, whatever yeah. the case was. There was a lot of good moments in that game. It wasn't perfect by any means. And it wasn't like an over the top, like, you know, the greatest game of all time, but it was a good game and so, I enjoyed it. So what did you think of? Diablo 2 then a combination of mechanics story experience the whole thing G- give me a give me a number out of primevals mm. out of seven primevals you know what I would go with less probably like a three or four Woof. oh here's the thing. I didn't hate Diablo 2 by any means it was it was an enjoyable experience but it wasn't something that I felt like I wanted to continue playing. As you can tell, I played through normal difficulty. I got to the end of the story and I went, okay, that's it. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done with the game. I don't, yeah. I don't feel the need to play anymore. And I enjoyed being able to experience it with you specifically because you were so passionate about this yeah. game. And it was something that you were very excited about and wanted me to experience so that we could nerd out about it together. Yeah. Right. So I enjoyed it you for that. You could watch how Marius was a dick. And probably deserves what he got because he freed Bale. Well, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit. (laughs) But it was good for that. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But I think if it wasn't for you, I don't think I would have gone out of my way to play it. Okay. So I want to give my final verse. I think I'm now rating Diablo 3 higher. Hmm. I'm probably going to give it like a... You're right. You know... If If you had to rate it out of cow levels. Oh. Uh... Well, that's a rough one because there's one per difficulty. And then are we including Diablo 3's Prancy Pony levels? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll give it like, I don't know. I think a five, five and a half primevals, five primevals and a lesser evil, an endarial. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, out of seven. I enjoy that. And I think I'd actually put Diablo 2 in the same category, in the same level. Mm, okay. Um, because there are features that I love from Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. Um, community style. I love the story. I love the oppressive feeling. And whereas I like the, I think the combat and many of the mechanics of Diablo three more. So I think if you made a baby of the two, you'd get a really good game. Yeah, I could see that. So, all right. I want to, I really enjoy doing this kind of retrospective style look back. Cause I, I think it's good to have. Mm-hmm. It really was valuable to me because that made me respect D three in its own right, but almost it's now not a, to me, in my brain, it's almost not like a mechanical sequel. It's it's a separate series in my mind. Yeah, they're so. completely different games. Yeah. Same universe, but not the same. Yeah, like it almost should have been a spinoff. Its style could have been a fine Yeah, spin-off. it could have. So um, I don't know how to end this. I don't have an, a, a quippy little fun ending. I, I don't know. Uh, I got nothing. Oh, for anybody who hasn't realized, this is Plebeian Wife Amanda because we never introduced ourselves. Oh, yeah, right. So we can end with that. I'm lesser evil Plebeian Adam. Lesser evil Plebeian Adam. You and don't want to be a greater evil? No, you're a prime evil. You're my wife. Oh, I mean, yeah. Who am I kidding? <laughs> you're, you're the... <laughs> so, so are you the Lord of Hatred? Are you the Lord of Terror? Or are you the Lord of Destruction? I know I'm the Lord of Destruction. I'm going to say terror. <laughs> so I'm going to instill terror into everything. Well, thank you for joining us on this kind of retrospective look back at Diablo 2, II, Diablo 3. 
And uh, we, the primevals, the Lord of Terror plebeian wife Amanda mm -hmm. and lesser evil plebeian Adam, thank you for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you.